0: On this episode of Africa's Big Switch, the team sat together with Ida, who is Rwanda's country manager at Sawa Energy. Sawa Energy is a solar energy startup that focuses on finance solar solutions for East African businesses and institutions. Eda also holds a mechanical engineering with a master's in renewable energy engineering and is passionate about using renewables
1: to create pathways for resource ownership for Africans. We hope you enjoy this.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Africa's Big Switch. Today I'll be joined by Eda Munyampenda, who is the country manager for Sour Energy. Hi Eda, how are you doing?
1: i'm doing well i'm doing well thanks for having me
0: very interesting uh background um i kind of stalked you a little bit before the we we started recording um could you give us could you tell us a little bit about yourself
1: i feel like uh it's a little bit boring because i have such a similar background (laughs) to you (laughs) i know but
0: (laughs) it's interesting (laughs) to me because like i wanted to
1: speak (laughs) to other people right um well, yeah, like I th- uh, like you said, my name is Adele Um I have a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. I'm a mechanical engineer by trade, um, and a master's in renewable energy engineering. Um, I am Randa Canadian, so I grew up in Canada for about the first 15 years of my life, and then moved back to Randa, where I finished high school and came back after university. Um, I work in the energy space and, um, since 2022, I've been working at Sawa Energy first as a uh, technical sales manager. Um, and then now as country director, uh, country manager, really leading the deployment strategy, uh, for Rwanda um, for our services at Sawa Energy. Um, yeah, just a big energy geek, uh, energy nerd, um, Always been passionate about energy, as long as I could remember.
0: Um, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, this is a safe space for energy nodes by the way, um, because you're talking <laughs> to you're talking to one. Um, you said you've always been passionate about energy. Why is that?
1: That is an interesting question because I try to answer that for myself every every couple of years. Uh, just as a refresher for my passion. But honestly, there was two things, I would say, that really pushed me towards energy, I think, as an engineer. And when you start really wanting to become an engineer, wanting to learn how things work and how things break, um, you realize that nothing really moves without energy. So there's this technical fascination with how are we powering the world? How are we making... Uh, any economic activity, work, any any livelihood work, and it's through energy. Uh, so there's this really massive question about how we sustain it and uh, how we develop new streams of getting energy and cleaner energy, obviously. Um, and then there's the aspect of um, when I moved when I moved from Canada uh, back to Rwanda, I noticed that a lot of the Uh, energy resources, not even energy resources, but resources in general weren't owned by Africans. And I was really fascinated about how renewable energy could uh, be the pathway for Africans um, owning uh, their resources. Um, And it was a new developing space, and I really wanted to get involved in that, be like, okay, this could be a way for uh, Africans, young Africans really own the resources on their continent. So I think those two things sort of pushed me into the energy space. Um, and as long as I can remember, I've been in it. I, I remember in high school, my first internship was, um, at like Rhonda's big exposition where, uh, people were, uh, putting up startups and explaining their startups. And I, I worked for a company called Rhonda Green Energy. Um, and it was basically um, a startup doing uh, solar LED lights. And I barely knew about anything, but I was there explaining it to people who were trying to buy uh, these, well, at the time, newfangled LED lights. Um, and as I went to university, I realized all my electives were in energy. So it's really been a thing, uh, like a very big through line throughout my, um, throughout my career and throughout my life, really.
0: That's interesting. I think now that you're talking, I'm realizing that there's actually a lot more similarities between us um, because do <laughs> you know when you said the, the engineering route where you were just like fascinated about how things work and like mm-hmm. kind of let's rip this apart and let's see like what's inside um, approach. I think that's how it was for me as well. And that's how I go into MacEng. Um And <laughs> what I noticed again, based on what you said was you were, you were selling LED lights without fully understanding what it was right. so you are basically born to be a salesman as well as an engineer <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: i think so i think i must have lost a little i had to relearn the sales part when i joined sour energy but yeah i guess you're right there
0: <laughs> interesting so let's talk about sour
1: energy um yeah
0: what what uh tell us tell us a bit about sour energy like what do you guys do
1: uh, Sau Energy is a company that was started uh, by three Canadian founders in 2019. They're all from Montreal. Uh, really cool guys, um, and I'm not just saying that because they're going to hear this later. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's, it it's almost bonus 20... season. <laughs> 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 the end of the year, man. What can I tell you? Um, it started in 2019 in Rwanda, headquartered in Rwanda, and it was basically trying to answer. A simple question. Uh, we have great solar resources in Rwanda. We have all these rolling hills. So you could see the tops, the rooftops of a lot of places, depending on the vantage point you're on. And they realized that there was no deployment of solar, um, residential, commercial, industrial. It just wasn't there at a, at a, at a scale, uh, that made sense. So it was really tackling that question. Like, why isn't there deployment of solar? And, uh, how, how can we change that basically? Um, so they started really tackling that question and really what they found out is the two main barriers. Um, i would say three main barriers was, uh, nobody wants to deal with the operational headache. That's one. Um, two, there's a large upfront cost to solar, um, for people that are running businesses. Um, and then three, uh, there's really a trust factor where they, where people in Rwanda at the time didn't trust the technology. So how Energy was started to really solve those three challenges. And what we do is uh, bring finance solar solutions for Rwandan businesses. Uh, we've since moved into Uganda. So East African businesses, um, that allows them to save on their energy costs. Um, so it allows us to take care of all the operation and maintenance. It allows us to um to take care of the financing so there's no upfront costs for the specific business. Um and, and allows us to go in there and say, we'll take care of everything. Um and you guys just sit here and benefit from the solar energy that's already hitting your roof anyway.
0: I uh I like the way you kind of broke down the challenges. Um what I found interesting was you you started from the perspective of just realizing the potential in the market and asking the question as to well not not you uh, but the founders of sour energy um yeah so like they looked out and they saw like you know there's this space where no one's exploring and why aren't we exploring that space um mm-hmm. but then that reason is slightly different from some of the other founders i've spoken to um so in terms of energy access like is, is rwanda just like smashing it because I know you guys are smashing it in the London. And like you're doing very well in a lot of places.
1: Um, Absolutely. So
0: is that is that is that 100 like percent electricity access or like let me say 99 percent of electricity access in Rwanda? I think
1: within Kigali, it's uh, the capital. It's it's pretty much at a 99. percent I would say as you go further out, um, there is uh, less availability, but it's still quite high um, for a lot of the different markets compared to a lot of the different markets in Sub-Saharan Africa. I think one of the things that the government has done extremely well uh, is really invest in transmission uh, generation um, and giving people uh, access to energy. Um, I think that's one of the things that they've done extremely well. Another thing that they've done extremely well is they um, it really uh, put their all into making Rwanda a green country. Uh, that allows so energy really to thrive because anytime we approach a business or an institution, they know we're aligned with uh, the country's values in general. Um, so yeah, we're I think Rwanda in general is doing a great job of energy access. Could it be better, of course? Um, uh, just like anything, it can be better. And I think there's innovative ways of bridging the gaps. Uh, for different, for different companies that's going into rural areas, solar home systems, uh, mini grids, tapping into mini grids. For us, we really wanted to, uh, figure out why, um, commercially viable solar has, uh, has not really taken off in Rhonda. And that's the real, um, that's the real uh, problem we're trying to solve. And I think the way we do it is through our business model. And I think it's, it's one of the, I think it's the first business model. It's the first company that's doing our business model in Rwanda, where we give the systems uh, at no upfront cost. We give them the system and enter a long-term agreement with the company for them to buy our electricity at a discounted price. So there's no real financial or operational risk to our clients. And I think it's something that uh, a lot of companies within Rwanda um, um, companies that really uh, suffer through the burden of heavy electricity costs, I think could benefit really well from.
0: That's amazing. And and that kind of brings us nicely into the next section where I was going to ask about how, like how solar energy is tackling or playing in the solar energy market. You mentioned a few things there. So no upfront cost, long-term electricity um, um, contract, and mm-hmm. you get it at a discounted price. Yeah. The question is how? Like, <laughs> how do you get it at a discounted price and you're not paying anything up front?
1: Yeah. So we we uh, enter in an agreement, uh, what we call a power purchase agreement. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, yeah. A lot of people from the hydro space use them. And it's a, basically a long term agreement with uh, a company that says you're going to buy electricity at this certain cost. Um, we have. Great investors that allow us, um, the cost of capital to make sure that our system and our electricity price can compete with, uh, with the, with the grid, uh, with the, the EUCL is what they call it here, the, the grid electricity prices. Um, and maybe that's not in every subsector of the electricity prices. There are some that have preferential tariffs, uh, like, uh, industrials where we're not able to compete with yet. Um, but, um, but a lot of the, uh, categories of tariffs were able to compete with on-grid solar. Um, not quite yet with, uh, with off-grid solar and solar plus battery for those, we probably do a lease to own for our different clients, but for on-grid solar, we've been able to compete fairly well. And, um, we've been able to grow our portfolio quite quickly because uh, of what I said, uh, there's not really a financial or operational risk uh because they know that no matter what our our price is going to be uh less than uh the grid price that they're currently consuming anyway. I
0: like that um that's very interesting. I saw the the company profile and I saw some very interesting names um and if you're if you're African, then you've heard of mtn. And I've seen that, Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen you guys have done a project with them, um, done a project in in hospitals, in in schools, in data centers. Um, so if if I wanted to um request like a a solution from Sour Energy, um, can you please I guess walk me through that process? Like how long would it take? Um, do I have to wait for shipment from somewhere for the solar panels? Um, do I does it? Do I need like battery solution? And where will I be able to sell? Like, am I selling back electricity to the grid or just getting it at a discounted price? A lot of questions. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I, I, okay, let's start with one. Let's start with one. Okay, so walk me through the, the process of requesting um, as a customer now, from a customer's perspective. I want to buy right. solar for my, I don't know, data center.
1: Yeah, uh, we have two data centers currently. MTN is one of them. Uh, it's real. It's a real blessing to work with MTN because it's a very recognizable brand across in Rwanda and across Africa. Um, so it really gives you some uh, credibility on the market. Uh, we're actually expanding our deployment with them um, at the end of Q4. So I'm really excited. Uh, we're doing a few projects for their their upcountry switch centers. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but yeah, so you're a data center. Uh, you reach out to me or I come to you and then you say, okay, I would like to explore the solar. Um, I basically take uh, your, your consumption, your consumption profile, uh, what it looks like for you uh, to consume electricity. Um, and then I sort of run it through our process that allows me to say, okay, this is a qualified client, basically uh, a client that I'm able to work with uh, that Sawa is able to work with. Um, once I get that, um, I go through some modeling that allows me to size the system, um, that allows me to also give a electricity price that is a discounted price on uh, on uh, your, your current electricity tariff, right? And then I make a proposal for you. I, I go into the office, I talk to the CFO or the CEO or whoever the decision maker is, and I say, okay, I'd love to give you... Uh, 10% discount on what you're currently paying for every unit of electricity I'm able to give to you, um, and then we go through a uh, proposal negotiation. Um, you say I, I like this, uh, I like this, I don't like this, and we find a way to uh, agree on the big, uh, the big terms that will be highlighted in the PPA. Once we get a rough agreement, um, it's like a signing of a proposal, which is a non-binding agreement. And then uh, we're able to do, we're able to pour resources um, uh, into the project. Be like, okay, this person really wants this project. This data center really wants to go solar. I'm able to now pour resources into that and that's technical resources. So we do structural, electrical analysis, design. Um, We're able to uh, pour financial resources, obviously, through our lawyers, uh, making sure our finance team is doing corporate credit checks and stuff like that. And then we, once we, once we finish that, we have the design. We're able to move to a contract negotiation. And once we sign a contract, we're able to deploy, um, let's say a 50 kilowatt system within three weeks. Um, so you go from, um, let's say reaching out to us, uh, and within two months, probably you're able to be, uh, you're able to start saving on your electricity bills, uh, through, through solar and solar energy. So it's. It's a really fast uh, process, and the reason we're able to do that is we have um, material in country, and that really gave us a competitive advantage because we went from signing contracts to deploying within within a week.
0: Wow, a week?
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. If if you have it in the if you have it in the warehouse, you have the panels, you have the inverters, you have the railing. uh, It's just a little bit of and the solar cables. Just a little bit of procurement, mobilizing the team, and I'm on your roof in a week um, uh, after a signed contract. So it's really uh, one, one of the best uh, things I've learned since joining Sour Energy is you have, to, you have to cut down any of the, the space um, um, within, the, within the sales cycle. Um, not only within the sales cycle, but in the construction cycle, you have to really move as efficiently as possible really great uh gain credibility uh within the market
0: that's incredible um and and i like how you kind of started talking about some of the lessons you've learned because i guess my next question was up is more on more in terms of okay so the way you've explained it sounds really cool it means like i can i can start this conversation with you next weekend uh i don't know come to rwanda say hi and then before i leave it's i have solar panels on whatever business i have in rwanda <laughs> <laughs> so like like that's uh that's incredible i think that's really quick and and it's good to see like things move that quickly my question is it, in terms of the challenges like is it always smooth sailing
1: oh there's nothing smooth sailing as you probably yeah. know working okay in the energy sector okay um, so let's dig into so- it
0: because obviously as a startup as well like it's it's not cozy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. There's challenges, lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the partners could tell you um, while they were having our inventory delivered uh, in the middle of COVID. There was a full lockdown in Rwanda, and there's a warehouse showing up at uh, there's a container, excuse me, showing up at the office. So how do you how do you navigate a full lockdown and a container being delivered at the office? how do you get the panels inside the office into our warehouse uh, there was many challenges at the start um and, and i think we just have a very um, diligent and a get after af- uh, get it get after it's team um we're 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 hustlers i think the ethos of solar energy is hustlers and we really don't like taking no for an answer um so but yeah challenges i think uh one of the biggest challenges obviously i mentioned it before but it's trust and education within the, the sector. I think uh, people think of solar in the rural solar home system um, away and instead of uh, thinking of it as a, a viable energy solution for a business. So it takes a lot of convincing uh, for a company such as an MTN or such as uh, like a data center where they need 100% uptown, uptime or a hospital. These guys need to be sure that there's, we're not going to be messing with their electrical infrastructure. Um, and for hospitals, it's absolutely vital. It's, uh, it, it's not like, oh, um, your mobile money is not working. It's people can lose their lives. So it's really about uh, convincing, talking to the technical team, convincing the technical team, Um, convincing the senior management at every company that this is a viable solution that can save you a lot of money in the long term. Um, It really works. And uh, a lot of the times I feel that because uh, companies prior operating in Rwanda were selling the system, not really selling a solution, um, there have been horror stories about solar not working after a year and a half. And then I come into your office and I say, hey, I got the solar solution and you just don't want to hear about it. So trust and education was a, is a really big challenge um, within, within Rwanda. Another one is the current regulatory framework uh, in Rwanda is uh, we're not allowed to sell to the grid, and the maximum size we're able to deploy at every site is 50 kilowatts. Right? So if you take our business model, for example, it, it relies heavily on investors coming in, and giving us the capital that allows us to deploy these systems. If if you go to an investor and you say, "Hey, um, I want I want to get this money. Let's say I want a three megawatt uh, portfolio," and he says, "How long is that going to take? Is that going to be four projects, five projects?" Because he's used to deploying a megawatt at a time. And you tell them, "No, it's going to be X amount of projects because you can only do 50 kilowatts." They're less inclined uh, to give you uh, their money. Um, and they're probably going to give it to you at a higher cost of capital, which raises our per unit price. So there, there are different challenges, and I think So Energy has been able to navigate them very well, uh, finding partners that really believe in us and finding our niche space um, that allows us to to grow at a very organic and sustainable uh, rate.
0: Really cool. Um, yes, yeah, so I spoke to. Um a, I think now is a country manager actually in Daystar Power, mm-hmm. and he said the same thing. And he said, "Um, yeah, most people. I mean, at the start, you know, solar was a buzzword, like we we're speaking about, and people just yeah. wanted solar because it was cool. But a lot of people mm-hmm. sold solar systems without selling the solutions, uh, and mm-hmm. that's why, like right now, I still have conversations with my friends who are not in the energy space and." And you know he's like sending me some tweets and well I don't know what you call tweets nowadays since it's no longer Twitter. <laughs> um, he, he was sending me like one of those and and it was like you know the German chancellor is in Africa doing tours and you know the the tweet kind of said something along the lines of you know they want Africa's resources um, and they're telling us to go green. And, you know, mm-hmm. like solar, how would, like, what's the benefit of solar? You know, it's great for like off grid, but like, can you power like the banks and the big things? And mm-hmm. I keep, you know, re emphasizing the same thing. Like, we have the same conversation every time, and I keep saying the same thing. Like, so, so, so I, I can imagine how it must be for you to like sell the solutions because people just have a perception, which, mm-hmm. fair enough, you know, at the time, you know, there was a lot of, I guess, people kind of learn as, as as time goes by. Um, but yeah, what, you, what you're doing is really cool.
1: No, I was gonna say, absolutely. I, I I face that that perception of solar everywhere I go. I think, um, just doing on-grid solar, you just you go into an office building and say, I want to just take care of your daytime consumption as much as much as I can, and they're like, but there are no batteries. This doesn't make sense. And because the whole perception of solar is through off-grid solar. It's for a place that doesn't have electricity. Uh, we're going to give solar plus battery to make sure that a place, uh, has electricity in the end. So I think battling that perception is something that takes, um, takes time, um, takes patience. And it, it really takes a track record that I think solar Energy is now, um, is now building. I think within Rwanda and East Africa in Rwanda, we have a megawatt under, um, Actually, more now we're within, we're constructing, I believe, three projects at the moment. So that track record is starting to grow and grow. And uh, my my aim as the country manager is to make sure that Sawa, uh, solar within Rwanda is like synonymous with Sawa Energy. Right? Um, that's my aim. I'm sure it's it's the aim of the country directors for other companies as well. But I think building that track record is really, really important in a geography like Rwanda.
0: Interesting. I should have asked this at the start. What does Sawa mean?
1: Sawa is a word that means, it's a Swahili word that means so many things, but it essentially means good. Um, so it, the founders really wanted it to be synonymous with the good energy we're bringing to Rwanda and East Africa.
0: Really cool. And I like the fact that you mentioned in Rwanda, your focus is this. So, I'm guessing because I, I I did some research and I saw that you also have offices in like in Uganda and and I think in in Netherlands and Canada. um So, what's the how many countries do you operate in?
1: So we operate in two: Rwanda and Uganda at the moment. Um, Netherlands and Canada. We have uh, we have our co-founder CIO that's based in. In Canada, a board member based in Canada, and uh, our net uh, our investors uh, sit in the Netherlands. Our our main investors sit in the Netherlands. Um, we're just closing around. Um, well, we're about to close around. I believe that will allow us to expand into further geographies within East Africa. Um, so it's really exciting. It's a it's a we're at a we're at a growth stage that. Um, That is very exciting to see where you started in Rwanda and then, uh, a year ago, we were able to enter into market in Uganda, build. We've already have, I believe, four, four projects underway in Uganda, two that are already built and two in construction right now. Um, and then I, I see us just, um, moving into different geographies, different spaces and, and, and replicating, um, replicating our ethos but obviously tailoring it to every individual market
0: and what do you think some of those challenges would be um or, or based on your experience operating in in uganda which is also in east africa but obviously um africa is no country like there are different nuances and different cultural differences um yeah. what do you think the the challenges would be
1: um this would be a great question for my colleague, uh, Alan. I can probably mm-hmm. link you guys, uh, okay. the country director in Uganda. But from just what I saw is there's differences, there's nuances to every country. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is just the regulatory environment. So you have to learn about the regulatory environment. Uh, you have to learn about the electricity pricing environment. Um, Different countries price their electricity in different ways. Um, you just have to, you have to learn about the actual sales environment. Um, selling to somebody in Rwanda is completely different to selling somebody, um, to selling to a businessman in Uganda or a businesswoman in Uganda. It's, it's an extremely different ballgame. The appetite for risk is different. Um, the sales cycle might be shorter or longer in different geographies and, uh, you have to adapt to um, you have to adapt to all of those things. Every time you enter into geography, you're essentially building the infrastructure that we did in Rwanda, and trying to build that exact same infrastructure in Rwanda. So setting up setting up a accounting system, setting up the lawyers, setting up it's an entire infrastructure that you have to build from scratch, um, and you have to navigate those differences, uh, those cultural differences. Those economic differences, um, those technical differences. I think, uh, one of the things that I laugh about with the Ugandan team is, um, I'm able to get to any meeting in Kigali within 20 minutes. Um, so I don't really have to really plan ahead that much when it comes to, when it comes to scheduling meetings. The Ugandan team, it might be stuck in traffic for four hours. Uh, it's just yeah. a bigger country. There's more there's more traffic there's different uh uh there's, it's just different so just things like that um are nuances to to, to different geographies when you're working in that sector
0: Well, cool. if you ever think about coming to lagos uh, traffic is also something you guys should consider <laughs> <laughs> is it bad oh wow it's it's really bad um it's, yeah. You, you can spend four hours going one way and then four hours coming back. So you can spend like an eight hour work, like a walk day <laughs> in traffic if you're not careful. Yeah. Um yeah. but but no, like I mean it's still come. <laughs> Cause I think we we <laughs> we actually need some of the solutions and in Nigeria, because I'm Nigerian and yeah. it's we have we have uh startups and companies that do uh things are similar to what you guys do. Um, but like you said, there are different nuances, and you know, sometimes it's you kind of have to navigate those those challenges. But like you know, Nigeria is such a massive market, and I feel like if you right. if you hack Nigeria, then uh, you're good. <laughs> like, yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're good financially.
1: <laughs> um, every time I yeah. every time I've talked to a uh, Nigerian in the energy space, there they say that you have to involve generators. Like you have to have like a solar plus generator solution. Is that is that really the case?
0: I am not sure. To be honest, I am not sure. Um, I've seen I've seen people try manufacturing of like back batteries, and I've seen like I I I I understand the challenges there. Um, so Emmanuel um, from Iron Energy, you know, he he's his he startup basically looks at um, building. Um like battery components, so they assemble the battery components and they sell it with solar mini grid um I spoke mm-hmm. to natasha Ibori, um she operates like across the southern part of Nigeria and they started up with manufacturing and now they're doing like solar marketplace um so i i, I there's obviously so many different uh, approaches to operating solar energy um solar right. and generators my i've seen that work for like banks um mm-hmm. maybe less so for like um, farming, um because they might just want to learn batteries, uh, but yeah, like right. it's uh it's interesting um cool, so like one more question before I ask my bonus question, um okay, which is what are some of the lessons that you've learned that you think would be useful to some of our listeners at a b s
1: oh wow, great question, lessons learned, I think that. Um, as engineers, um, if, if the audience is engineers or just something that I didn't know as an engineer is that, um, it's really important to understand the finance, a finance and sales side of any business that you're working with, uh, or working for, um, you have to understand how you're making money. Um. Otherwise, it just won't be sustainable enough for you to get your cool idea, your cool product, your cool technology, um, off the ground long enough for you to actually make an impact. So that impact that you're trying to make, um, it just won't be sustainable enough. So I, I think the, the lesson that I learned in on a personal front is it's really important. For engineers to go out with the sales team. It's really important for you to spend an hour with the finance team or the accountants or um, talk to the CIO uh, and understand how uh, we're able to give solar systems at no upfront cost and still make money. That's really important for uh, people on the technical uh, side to learn, and I think that's a lesson that I learned fairly quickly uh, once I joined Solar Energy. I was the first employee, so I had three founders, wow. and it was me. So it was, it was, it was up to me to like really strive to grasp any uh, mm-hmm. any information I could get from them um, to really be curious about about how the business is actually working and actually functioning.
0: Wow. I can imagine how the interview went. It's just like, oh, so tell me about your company. And it's like, uh, oh, you're the first. <laughs> <laughs> you tell us what the work-life balance should be. Um, <laughs> that's really uh, that's- exciting
1: as well, though. You can imagine. It's daunting, mm-hmm. but it's exciting because you're like, you're, you're the first one. You get to set a lot of the things. They give mm-hmm. you responsibilities maybe that they wouldn't normally give you mm-hmm. um, if you're entering into a massive company. Um you're able to find the space and the time to actually get that information that I'm speaking about. Um, so it's, it's a very daunting where a lot of, a lot of things rest on your shoulders, but it's also very exciting because you're able to really carve out the direction of the company along with the founders, right? Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and I'm still enjoying it.
0: That's cool man That's cool I'll be, I'll be rooting for you guys um, So my bonus question And it's a question We always ask At the end of our podcast Which is If you were to travel Anywhere in Africa On an All expense paid trip Where would it be And why
1: Is it personal Or business
0: Anything You can go for business You can go for personal Like You have You have a ticket Anywhere to Africa All expenses okay. paid Where would you go
1: um, I'm really fascinated, and it's not just because you're here, but I'm really fascinated about how Nigeria works. Um, just on the, the scale that it, it is, you know, it's such a massive country. Uh, it's so, so vibrant, so different on one end of it, uh, to the other. And I just, I, I'm just very curious on a business front, how, how you how you grow a business within uh, such a market like Nigeria? So I think on a business aspect, I think I would love to go to Nigeria, um, and and really try and crack the code. Uh, I probably am not the first person to ever say that, but yeah, I think it's absolutely fascinating um, from a personal standpoint. And I'm I'm going there soon uh, is Namibia. I think it just looks absolutely stunning Um, like it has the mix of the desert Uh, I I went to school in Abu Dhabi um, so I really miss the desert so you got the desert you got (laughs) the CBD you got um, it just it just seems like a very a very interesting place uh, geographically so I think I'm going to go with Namibia on the personal front.
0: interesting interesting and and for Lagos Habibi come to Lagos like just uh, let's do it I got, got no, no I got an invite you got invites no <laughs> no expenses paid no no expenses paid let's do it let's do it let's uh let's, plan let's go let's
1: go as long as as long as i got a couch to sleep on, i'm,
0: I'm ready to go Yeah, there's a direct flight from rwanda to abuja yeah and, there is yeah absolutely. so there you have it it's destined to happen um absolutely but thank you very much for doing this Uh um, Podcast episode with me. It's been really interesting um, and really fascinating what you're doing at Sour Energy. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.